You're listening to a podcast from The Pool. Hi, I'm Viv Groskop, your pool agony aunt, and this is Waving Not Drowning, where I'll discuss how to combat your problems and solve your emotional issues. On this week's Dear Viv, when shift work affects a relationship, what to do when job offers are confusing, when new friends steal your old friends, and whether you should bother going back to work after maternity leave. Dear Viv, I've been married for two years. My husband has recently started a new job, which means he works strange shift patterns, and I only really get to spend two nights a week with him when he's not exhausted or going to bed really early to wake up at 4am the next day. His new job makes him really happy, but I'm worried about our relationship suffering. How can I make sure we don't drift apart, even though we're spending so much time apart? Dear shift work support partner, wow, this is a tough situation. Let's acknowledge that first and foremost, because I don't want you to overlook the fact that a lot of people would not be able to cope with this at all. So please give yourself a pat on the back for surviving this far and for looking for a better way to cope with this. Is this a permanent situation? I'm guessing from your letter that it is. I wonder if it might help to pretend to yourself, though, that it's actually temporary and all you have to do is figure out how to survive this week or this month. Take it a chunk of time at a time and tell yourself that you can always revise your plans based on what you've learned. So instead of thinking, how can I make sure we don't drift apart? Think, when are we going to see each other this week and what will we do? Make concrete, practical and precise plans. Have a stupid wall chart diary where you write down the times when you'll both be together. What you will do, what you'll cook, where you'll go. As I understand it, in relationships where both partners have to be apart a lot, it really helps if during the apart times you can anticipate the time you'll be together. So making plans is very valuable. Now, you may already be thinking, but Viv, where is the spontaneity in this relationship? Uh, And the reality is, I think, in a relationship like this, the thing you may have to sacrifice to some extent in order to make it work is spontaneity. When you only have two nights a week together, you might as well plan them and make them something to really look forward to. But as I say, take it on a weekly or fortnightly basis. Try planning and if that doesn't work for you, you can try something more spontaneous the next week. But take it in small chunks of time and try to talk to each other as much as you can about what is and isn't working for you. It might also help to have a policy about texting, phone calls and emails. How is that going to work for you? What are both of your expectations? I don't want to suggest you copy Nicole Kidman and Keith Urban, but let me tell you what they do. They're apart a lot because of work, and whilst they're apart, they have an agreement not to text each other. They send each other letters and have scheduled times for phone calls. That might not work for everyone. I would personally find it a bit weird and controlling. Uh, But the point is, find a strategy that works for you. By the way, please send me your husband's phone number if he looks like Keith Urban. Our next letter this week. Dear Viv, I've been applying to jobs to no avail for a while. And after what seemed like months when nobody bit finally had three interviews last week. One of the companies, my third choice, has already offered me a position 
and I've been told I won't hear from the other two for at least a week as they're seeing other candidates. I need to answer the first company very soon. Ah, do I say yes to them just to make sure I have a job or should I hold out in the hopes that one of the other two companies gives me an offer? I don't want to stay at my current job any longer than I have to, but I'll be a wreck if I turn them down and then don't get either of the other jobs. Please help me. Oh dear, I can't help but think that my reply will be too late for you by the time you hear this, but never mind. Maybe it will help someone else in a similar situation. I think there's only one thing you can do here, stall. Surely you can tell them that you're going on holiday or that you have a family healthcare emergency. Basically lie your pants off to the first job offer people and tell the other people that you need an answer within five working days because you have other offers to consider. The only other thing to think about this is whether you really want this first job or you're just taking it because you're desperate. I'm not sure that's a good enough reason to take this job anyway, but only you can know that. So in short, lie, stall for time, but also be prepared to let it all go. There is a saying, what's for you won't pass by you. One way or another, you'll end up with the job you're meant to get. So maybe be prepared for it to be not any of these three jobs. Our next letter this week. Dear Viv, I feel like a total fool writing in about this, but here goes. One of my friends from university has recently moved to the town where I live, and I've been making a big effort to make her feel welcome by introducing her to my group of friends. On a night out, she really hit it off with my friend from Netball, which at first I was pleased about, but this morning I found out they're organising brunch plans together behind my back and it's left me feeling jealous and left out. Should I talk to her about it or just accept that these things happen? Nobody's fallen out as such and I don't think they know I'm aware they're making plans without me. I just feel like I'm 12 years old again. Oh, bless you, usurped and jealous friend. You don't need to feel like a fool. As you suggest in your letter, you're not the first and you won't be the last. This happens all the time in grown-up friendships. And when it happens, it can throw us right back into feeling like we're back at school again. The first thing to do, I think, is to acknowledge to yourself that you're hurt. Yes, it's not the most edifying feeling in the world, but there's no point in beating yourself up for being a bit petty. Your feelings are entirely normal and human. Not only is it upsetting because it makes you feel like a child again, forget being 12, sometimes this kind of thing makes you feel like you're five years old, but also it's upsetting because it makes you feel left out and that is always a horrible feeling. I'm afraid, as you might have already guessed, I do have bad news about how you should deal with this. I think you're just going to have to accept it, but you knew that. The thing is, it will only make your friend feel awkward if you raise it with her. And really, this is not about your relationship with the people you already know. It's about her relationship with these new friends. You have to step aside and allow that to develop. For all you know, you're not invited because this friend wanted to make your old friend feel that she's interesting enough without you. Maybe this person just wanted to make your friend feel special and welcome in her own right. Just let it unfold, swallow your hurt feelings and rise above it all. Find some other things to do yourself. Don't obsess over it and let it go. 
Life is too short to get possessive about friends. The more the merrier. Let them get on with it. Our last question this week. Dear Viv, I'm nearing the end of my maternity leave and wondering if going back to work is worth it. I'm not in a hugely well-paid field, so the amount I earn would be cancelled out by the cost of childcare, whether I worked part-time or full-time. If I do return to work, I would want to stay at the same company for their flexible maternity leave policy, if nothing else. So putting the decision off for a few months and then getting a new job wouldn't make much sense. My husband is fairly ambivalent and keeps telling me to do what I feel is right, which is about as useful as a wet towel. I love being around my baby, but I'm also keen to challenge myself again and worried about the impact that a longer break would have on my career. I'm in two minds. I love this question. Never mind the end of maternity leave. Is it ever really worth going to work at all? Honestly, we all know the answer to that. The truth is I'm actually kind of floored uh, by your question and wishing you'd given me an awful lot more detail. This is a question that is impossible to answer without a lot more specifics, such as exactly what your job is, how much you got out of it before you had a baby, how your life has changed since you've had a baby, what your husband does, what state your finances are in. These all play a role here. The fact that you don't seem to want to go into any of this and pose this almost as a catch-all question worries me. Although it is a fairly common assumption, I think, that this is a legitimate and uncomplicated question somehow. But does anyone really think that this is a simple question with a simple answer or that there's anyone who could answer this question really easily? Your husband knows it's not that easy, which is why he keeps not answering this question for you. Newsflash, no one can answer this, really. Uh, And in any case, once you become a parent, often your relationship to your work changes constantly because the needs of your children change constantly. There are times when work is a wrench and it's almost impossible to tear yourself away from your children. And there are times when work is a lifeline for the sanity, for the adult life, for the money, for the sense of self. I think the thing that's bothering you most of all here is in your first sentence, I'm wondering if going back to work is worth it. What you've done is looked at the cost of childcare and looked at the time that you've had with your child. And now you're thinking, uh, basically, I have to pay someone else so that I can go to work. Well, welcome to working parenthood. This is what it is. I don't know if perhaps we don't talk about it enough or perhaps it's just too boring a thing to discuss uh, for people before they've had children. But it is amazing how many people are surprised by this when they have children. In some ways, maternity leave, although a brilliant thing legally, professionally and in terms of human rights, is a bit of a con. Maternity leave makes you believe that someone is going to pay you to look after your child. They're not. (laughs) So where do you start? Well, an open conversation with your husband would be a good place. He needs to start practising listening to you. Help him. Say... I don't need you to tell me what to do, but I do need you to listen to me talk this all out for a bit. Look at your finances together and figure out where you would be without your salary. And if you do go back to work, how you're going to share the childcare costs together. I would usually avoid giving specific advice on this podcast because I think people only really write in because they want me to suggest how they should work things out for themselves. Uh, But in this case, I will answer because I've seen so many friends go through exactly this. It's only by actually going back to work that you will know whether you should have gone back to work or not. 
And when you do go back, don't judge on the first six weeks. They will be awful because you'll be missing your baby. So get some affordable childcare sorted. Go back and see how you feel in a couple of months. Or if my answer completely revulses you, well, then you know that you're ready to become a stay-at-home mum. That's all for today. If you have a problem you'd like to submit, please send your email to dearviv at thepoolltd.com or tweet us at thepooluk. Thanks for listening. Join us again soon and sign in to thepool.com where you can get more content specifically made by us for women like you. We hope we see you there.